Good morning, everybody. All right. We are in the middle of a series uh, called Choosing Sides. Obviously, you saw that. And we really want you to choose Jesus. I, I just, from my heart, from our entire ministry family here, we just, more than anything else, every time we gather together, we really want you to go, yes, I'm still with you, Lord. I believe in you, and I know most importantly, God, you believe in me. And if you're on a trek or a journey, maybe this is kind of new for you, or maybe kind of getting back into spiritual things, or we need to go back to church. I am so glad that you're here, and I just hope and pray we can help you. Maybe just move the needle over a little bit on this wonderful God that we know, and he loves everyone, and he wants our world to be different. He wants things to be changed, and he's going to use people like you and me. And so part of why we gather here today is worship him, but be instructed, God, what do you want me to do? Who are you, God, and who do you want me to become? Amen? I am so just so thankful. I, I, I just want to say, I, I apologize if I just keep saying it, but I just you know, want to be so thankful for um, all of your financial giving and your support and your love, and most of all, your prayers for our, the renovation of our children's ministry department and our student ministries department, which is located, if you're guests with us today, it's just located behind this building right here. We have finally broken some ground, and uh, as you know, COVID has kind of slowed everything down for construction, but we really felt like the Lord was leading us to renovate a whole new place for our young people because uh, they just need a place to dwell. They need a place for community. And most of all, we want children to know that they are loved by God. And part of what we do here is presenting to them something so excellent that they wouldn't want to come back. So I just want you to know, you know, walls are being painted. We got tile in the bathrooms. Uh, flooring's coming soon and just all the different things that uh, we're going to be having and also our student ministries, junior high, high school, and young adult. Uh, Everybody's valuable, but we have to make sure that we are doing a really good job of raising up the generation coming up behind us. Would you say amen to that? Sweet. Um, With that, we're always looking for people to just join the team here at MVCC. And if you've been here a little while and thinking, you know, as um, Pastor Scott had mentioned, we're in Next Steps and we're getting in a life group and we went to Starting Point. We're just feeling like this is home and we're willing to dig in and, and get involved. And I just found serving the Lord, and honestly, that's nothing to do with me being a pastor. If I wasn't your pastor, I would still, I would come to church here. I really would. And I would get on a team because I just found when I start to give of myself, all of a sudden my problems seem to be like this. And we have a lot of kids, a lot of young people who just need kind of someone to come along them and just, hey, be a big brother, big sister, a coach, a spiritual mentor. And so we have um, children's ministry, uh, nursery, all the way through fifth grade. And then we have junior high, high school, and young adults. And if you're interested in being a part of that team, I really want to ask you just to, to pray about it and talk to one of our youth pastors. Uh, um, uh, pastor Zach and then Pastor Becky are pastors on staff and so um, they're here to serve you and give you more information about that. You can also go to the website and all that good stuff and find out more about what's going on for children's and youth. Hey, we got some folks who have received Christ as their savior last week. They made a decision to say yes to Jesus and uh, one of the things that we do here is when, when you're re- if someone's ready to say yes to Christ, we want to do that right away because salvation can come. I gave my life to Jesus Christ on a Wednesday night, didn't know what I was going into. When I came out of that place, man, I had Jesus Christ in my life, and I never looked back. And he's just been so faithful. But there's a process, so we want people to understand what it really means to, what does it mean to turn away from my old life and turn to Jesus? What does it mean to really put my faith in him? What does it mean to get baptized? And what is the significance of all that? 
So we sit down in a small three-week session series called Discovering God. If anyone here is interested in doing that, we would love to take you through that. But we just talk through what the Bible says about those things and receiving Christ. So today after second hour, these folks are getting baptized. And I'm just so jazzed because it has just come at the right time in their life. And so if you would just please you know, pray for them, it's going to be a life-changing moment for them. I think we should pray, and then we'll get into the text, yeah? God, we can't do anything without you. Holy Spirit, we believe that prayer is the power source, God, for your people, for the church. And we want to see a new kind of church, God, that just a wave of your Holy Spirit that blows through this place and changes us from the inside out, God. You know here at MVCC, Lord, our heart is transformation. We want to see change. And so begin to stir something up, God, in our spirit. I just sense, God, that you want to do something Something so supernatural, Lord, that it, it just takes OC by storm. And it's just one life change today, God. We're praying one person say, yes, I am all in. God, I'm going to do what you've called me to do. I'm going to be what you call me to be, Lord. And we just pray that your church becomes a place of being on fire, God, for you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said together, amen. amen. You know, I was thinking about, we're going to look at a text here in just a moment in Luke chapter 13. So if you have your Bibles, just you know, take a note there. We're going to be in verses 10 to 17. But before we get there, I, I, I was thinking about, Lord, what do you really want to be communicated to us today? And most importantly, what do you want the church, us as followers of Christ, to be and to do? And I was just thinking about, um, when we go to places of establishment, when we go to a store, or you walk up to somebody's uh, you know, front door to knock on the door or hit the ring and know you're on camera. Um, or when you meet somebody for the first time, they kind of give off a persona. They give off a kind of an atmosphere, right? And I was just thinking about signs. Um, I was driving around Mission Viejo in some of the residential areas after uh, my men's life group on Saturday morning. And this is the one I see a lot. I don't know if you've you seen this one. Yeah. I actually had a lady. She was like this at me because I was just going a little too fast in the residential. So this is kind of an interesting one. Uh, have you met somebody where you just kind of feel like the very first time you meet them, they're wanting to sell you something? That's not a good feeling. I don't like that. You know, I love cars. I have a f uh, passion for cars, but I don't like going on car lots. Um, how about this one? What do you feel like when you see this on private property? Only certain people can come into this place, right? How about, uh, how about this one? Authorized personnel only. As soon as I see that sign, I think, I don't, I don't belong here. You know what's interesting to me is churches would never have these signs up, right? But I've been to churches before where I have felt, you know, over my 25 years of, of you know, following Jesus, 30 years of following Jesus, I kind of felt like when I walked in or walked down the campus, it kind of just felt that way. Ever felt that way? Or how about this one? I've been at, well, I won't say what church it was, but it wasn't in the state. I felt like this when I walked up. Keep out of here. And I've also seen this one, which can be quite comforting when there's a crisis. You want to know where the exits are, right? I got to get out of here quick. Hope this sermon ends fast. Um, this is, I just picked this one up. I thought this is, this is a poop-free zone. When I walk my dog, this sign is very important. Oh, my goodness. And if you're with somebody who has some challenges, this is such a good sign to see when you drive up to Home Depot, right? Because you have a place to park for somebody who just needs a little extra TLC and care. Um, how about this one? No trespassing. Keep out. Or this one's kind of scary. This is being surveyed, right? But nobody sees me. The scary thing is not seeing the sign, but there's cameras everywhere, right? 
Oh, this is always scary when you walk up to somebody's home. No soliciting. You mean I can't knock on the door and tell you about Jesus? No. How about this one? Private property, right? Posted, obvious. This is always a nice feeling when you see this one driving around Mission Viejo, Lake Forest area. Open house, right? Welcome to come on in. This is what I want for MVCC. Now, here's the question I have. What kind of sign did Jesus have in front of him when he walked through the streets of Jerusalem? When he walked where he came from in Galilee? When he came out of the carpenter shop? When he grew to 30 years of age and was baptized by John the Baptist and then he started his ministry with his disciples and he said to his disciples who yet didn't know him yet, come and follow me. Pastor Scott, could you just bring up something that I'm sure we're all familiar with this, but I am absolutely confident that when somebody met Jesus for the very first time, they felt welcome. Everybody felt welcome. And whenever somebody steps foot on this campus or meets you off this campus, whether it be at your workplace, where I want them to feel welcome into your life. I think there's something about when we are just real and honest and authentic, living our faith authentically, there's something about that invitation that we feel comfortable to come in. We're going to take a look at a woman who many, many years ago had an acute scoliosis. For 18 years, she had an ailment. And yet, I, what I love about this woman is that even for 18 years of suffering, 18 years, she still went to synagogue. She still followed the faith. She still asked God for prayers. She still gave her arms, alms to God. She was incredibly dedicated. And here's a question that I have. Why did she feel welcome, even though she was bent over 18 years, not able to make eye contact with most people, not able to perform just regular duties of the day because of her scoliosis in her back? She wasn't able to look into somebody's eye, eye to eye, knee to knee, toe to toe with someone. Why did she continue to come every single Sabbath, every single Saturday? Why did she come? And the only thing I can think of is she felt welcome to be there. And then Jesus comes to the synagogue. Jesus comes to this incredibly religious place. And his presence changes everything. Yeah, when I was in Minnesota as a youth pastor, I went to a, a youth conference. And then they, at the end of the youth conference for youth pastors, they had this huge youth rally in the stadium. And there must have been about 10,000 kids there. Have you ever been in a place where there's 10,000 junior high and high school students? I just, I loved it. Absolutely loved it. I love all the energy. I love all the movement. Junior high kids don't intimidate me at all. I love them. You have to peel them off the walls, you know, Velcro and stuff. But that's just junior high. They're pre-people. They haven't yet become a mature person yet. And as I was watching all these students, the youth pastor that was giving this message to 10,000 kids had them captivated. You could have heard a pin drop in that stadium. And all he said, he kept saying it over and over and over again. Jesus' love is an in-your-face love. He'll never leave you. He's your best friend. He will never forsake you. He will never turn his back on you. And 10,000 kids were just jaw-dropped at that moment. And when he gave the invitation, I saw hundreds of kids coming to the front of where the stage was, packed, giving their lives to Jesus Christ. Some of these kids had tears rolling down their faces because they had met a real God who they found out for the first time who loved them. 
That's why I think this woman went to the synagogue. And she kept going and kept going in the midst of her circumstance. I don't like this. This is painful. I don't know what was inside of her mind or heart for those 18 years. But she must have felt isolated. She must have felt alone. Yet she continued to stand inside of her heart for what she believed in. My question to all of us is, what kind of persona, what kind of atmosphere, what are we giving off that hopefully invites people, not only for the first time to know God, but to keep following Jesus Christ? So let's look at this text together here in the 13th chapter. One Sabbath day as Jesus was teaching in a synagogue, he saw a woman who had been crippled by an evil spirit. She had been bent double for 18 years and was unable to stand up straight. Yet when Jesus saw her, he called her over and said, Dear woman, you are healed of your sickness. Now watch this. Then he touched her. And instantly, some of your Bible versions, if you're reading along, will say immediately she could stand straight. How she praised God, exclamation point. But, of course, there are those who are in opposition. Those are those who are going to fight and resist, say, I don't believe this. Jesus, we don't like you here. But the leader in charge of the synagogue was indignant with Jesus that he had healed her on the Sabbath day. There are six days of the week for working. He said to the crowd, come on those days to be healed, but not on the Sabbath. You see what's happening here? How in the world, Jesus, who do you, who do you think you are? Ever have anybody say that in your life? Who do you think you are? Healing on the Sabbath? You know we don't work on the Sabbath. And Jesus' response is so golden. But the Lord replied, you hypocrites. One of the things I love about Jesus, he's truth. You know where you stand with Jesus Christ, right? Each of you works on the Sabbath day. Don't you untie your ox for your donkey and from its stall on the Sabbath and lead it out for water? This dear woman, a daughter of Abraham, has been held in bondage by Satan for 18 years. Isn't it right that she be released even on the Sabbath? And this shamed his enemies. But all the people, all the people, do you see that? Rejoiced at the wonderful things that he did. This is chock full of stuff here. 6,570 days. It's 216 months. 9 million 460,000 minutes, she was bent over. Remember the context of this? This theology, this crazy kind of religious theology was that if you did something bad, God was punishing you. So I'm sure that she felt a lot in the context here over the years of you must have some sin in your life. You must have done something wrong. Therefore, God is punishing you. Of course, Jesus breaks that mold. God isn't out to get us. He's out there to love us. So there's three things in your notes that I see here. Number one is she was afflicted physically. Secondly, she was attacked spiritually. We saw that there was an evil spirit involved in this. And of course, she was affected socially. She she was an outcast. She was alone. She couldn't go places that normal people went. I don't know if there's anyone here that just feels like they've spiritually, you feel like you're spiritually bent over. Have there been moments in your life, circumstances, where you just feel like you can't get up, you can't straighten up? And the most dangerous thing with that is we hide it. That's the, 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 the title today is between these two extremes. Jesus is smack dab in the middle of, of, of a woman who absolutely has this 
desperate need for help. And isn't it interesting? She doesn't ask for it. Nor did anyone else say, um, Jesus, could you please help this woman? Jesus just approached her because of that welcome mat that he has in front of his life. You're welcome in my kingdom. You are welcome to know me. And it, no one, no one was there to help her, but Jesus was. I just, I just wonder if some of the Issues, circumstances, problems that we walk through. We feel like we walk into a place like this and we feel like we got to hide everything. We feel like we have to wear a mask. In fact, the word hypocrite in the Greek really means to wear a mask. It means to intentionally deceive someone by what I say and what I do that doesn't match. Normal, those who follow Jesus, Christ followers, sometimes I hear Christians say, well, I am just a hypocrite. But the context of hypocrite means you're intentionally trying to do that. It's not making mistakes. It's not falling back. It's not sometimes we just fall back into the old temptation or sometimes we have a bad spiritual day. That does not mean we're hypocrite. It means if we're trying to deceive. Does that make sense? And that's what these synagogue leaders were trying to do is they were trying to build this facade that everything is religious. Everything is right. Everything is perfect in my life. And you little people, someday you'll get it. And that's one thing that Jesus was really ticked off about when he was here for those three years of, of doing ministry and bringing the gospel first for the Jew and then for the Gentile, for those of us who are non-Jews. The whole world is accepted by God. The whole world can come to Jesus Christ. He died for all of humanity. And what he's saying here today is that there are two extremes in our culture, isn't there? There's, there's hopefully those of us who are following Christ that are wanting to bring people in. In our men's life group, we were talking about, we're going through the book of Ephesians, and one of the things we're talking about is we as the followers of Christ, our, 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 our heart is to be out there with people. Jesus was accused of being with tax collectors and sinners. Jesus, what the heck are you doing spending time with these people who are irreligious, who don't go to synagogue, who don't follow the law? And yet Jesus says, that's what I have come for. I did not come to call the righteous. I didn't come to call people who think they got it all together. I came for people who knew they were sick, people who knew they were desperate, people knew that they weren't going to make it without God. And give us a church, give us Holy Spirit in an atmosphere of desperation, God, for more of you. And not just more of you, God, but for people around us that are lost and dying. Isn't it cool that Jesus went to every place? He went into the bars, he went into places where the ill repute, right, did business. And Jesus also went into the religious places. Jesus was everywhere. This one woman. It's very intriguing to me. I don't know if um, you remember in 2008, there was a hurricane called Ike. It swept through Texas. 110 miles an hour, the winds were. It was a small community called Gilcrest. I don't even know if this was on the news. I, I found this on the internet. I thought it was fascinating to me. This thing was plummeted by 110 mile an hour winds. 200 homes were lost. There weren't very many in this little town. The aftermath was absolutely devastating. These bright, beautiful homes in this community looked like a war zone after the hurricane had blown through. Fragments, what seemed like were everywhere. But there was one little house that stood standing in the midst of this, this nuclear explosion, if you will. I want you to take a look at this. Isn't that incredible? This one house is standing in the midst of all this destruction. Here's, here's what I see in this. I, 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 maybe it's just me. I thought that was really fascinating. I thought that was cool. The question is, why was it standing? 
It may look like the world is in devastation around us. I think this woman felt that way on the inside. But yet here she comes to the synagogue, her normal day of worship. Yet Jesus sees her house. He sees her spirit. He sees her soul. Who she really, who really matters to God is what's on the inside. And Jesus saw in the midst of all this religious mess, all of this, this arrogance and pride and I'm better than you and someday you little people will get it and they carry around the Torah and they had all the laws, 613 laws and all the man-made laws. Jesus, who do you think you are thinking you can come in here and heal on the Sabbath? You know you're not allowed to do that, thinking that they were above God. And yet Jesus looks at this woman and sees a house that's going to stand. He sees someone that's going to stand straight up in just a moment. Jesus knew everything that was going to happen in this moment. I guess my question is, where are the people that are going to stand for God? Where, where's our junior high, high school and young adults that are going to take a stand for Christ? They're going to live the gospel that say, God, you have so changed my life. I want everybody to know how wonderful you are. And therefore, I'm going to live my life. I'm going to do right. I'm going to act justly, love humbly. I'm going to do, God, what you've called me to do. I'm going to keep walking, keep loving. And in this mess of all these laws, man-made laws, Jesus is the shining point. He is the light in the middle of this religious establishment. Just like today, we got millions of people who may call themselves religious, but what's really going on deep in the heart? This woman stands face to face. Think about this. She is face to face with God. And one day, one day because of a little thing called grace, we will stand face to face with Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but I'm longing for that day. I was just, as we were worshiping here, Pastor Scott and I, we were just worshiping, and I just had this thought, what if this is the very last Sunday before Jesus comes? Because see, I believe his return is coming soon. I do believe that. You know, the scripture talks about different pains and signs that are coming, that we are getting so close, but there's just something in my spirit that just not only longs for Jesus, but I believe he's returning within this generation. And it is time for us to wake up. It's time for us to say, God, I am aware of what you're doing. Help me, God, to be aware of your invitation. I guess I, I, just, I just love Jesus so much because he just invites us. He does not say at the welcome mat, you've already been here. What are you doing asking again? I can't believe you continued to fall into that sin. I can't believe you relapsed again. He doesn't say those things. He just says to Thomas, who says, I don't believe in you. After Jesus had resurrected and standing before him for crying out loud, walk through the wall. Jesus, the resurrection is standing right there. And Thomas with his arms crossed says, I don't believe in you. Are you kidding me? And Jesus didn't chastise him, didn't wag a finger at him. He just threw out the welcome mat and said, oh, Thomas, come, come here. And he touched him. Touched Thomas's hand and put him in his hand in his side. And see, do you feel the scar where they threw the spear in my side? Do you feel the scars in my hands, Thomas? I'm real. I'm here. I love it when Peter was on the boat with the other disciples and Jesus comes walking on the water on the Sea of Galilee. They were freaking out in the middle of the storm. And Peter looks at what seems to be like a silhouette coming to him in the middle of the night. And he says, Jesus, is that you? And the rest of the disciples are on the edge of the boat. And he says, Jesus, if it's you, come. Bid me to come. And Jesus invites him. And you know history. He steps off the boat and he's walking on water, man. I, I, I guess that's where a little thing called grace changes everything. 
It's this, this little word, but it's so big. It's so huge. It's, it's ginormous. It changes all of our life. It changes perspective. It changes from the inside out. Come to me, all that are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest, he says. In the middle of this religious quagmire, Jesus says to this woman, come, and then he touches her. And I hope you saw this immediately, man. She was healed. There was no well. She was getting better. She was immediately changed. She was healed. And it says everybody saw this. Everybody knew, even in the middle of all this confrontation from the hypocrites, not coming to a plan, not coming to an organization, not coming to some some religious establishment. You're coming to me, the person of Jesus Christ. Man, 33 years ago when I heard the gospel for the first time, it was like, come to Jesus. I wasn't even in a church building. I hadn't even been to church. Went one time to a Catholic church because I had to because I was partying with my friend on a Saturday night. He says, hey, if you sleep overnight, you got to go to church with me. I said, okay. And I remember the priest just, the smoke thing he was doing up here. And I'm thinking, what in the world is all this stuff? And sit down and stand up. It's nothing against Catholic people. It's just I didn't relate to that. It was only when God had captivated and got me to such a lowest place in my life. I just had no place else to go. I was so empty. I was so tired. Ever been so sick and tired of being sick and tired? and that's where I was the world wasn't satisfying anymore and I heard the good news of Jesus Christ that God loves you he died on a cross and he rose again that's the message in that moment and most of you here in this room could tell me the very same thing happened to you you met Jesus you met him he's real Yes, we believe he's resurrected. Yes, we believe he died on the cross. We believe the Bible to be true because the facts and the evidences and the credibility and God gave us plenty of them. But I know that Jesus Christ lives because he changed my life. I tried to change my life, man. I could not do it. And this woman is standing face to face with the living God. In the Old Testament, Jesus is everywhere. If you read through all the books in the Old Testament, Jesus is in every single page of every part of the Bible. In Genesis, he's the breath of life. In Exodus, he's the Passover lamb. Leviticus, he's the high priest. Numbers, fire by night. Deuteronomy, Israel's guide. Joshua, salvation's choice. Judges, he's Israel's guard. Ruth, kinsman and redeemer. Samuel, he's the trusted prophet. Kings, he's the sovereign God. Ezra, he's true and faithful. Nehemiah, he protects and he rebuilds. Esther, Mordecai's uh, courage. Job, he was redeemer. Psalms, he's the morning song. Proverbs, he's wisdom. Ecclesiastes, it's his time, his season. Song of Solomon, he's the God of love. Isaiah, he's the prince of peace. Jeremiah, he's the weeping prophet. And Ezekiel, he's the cry for Israel. And Daniel, he's a stranger, stranger in the fire. Hosea, he's forever faithful. Joel, he's the spirit's power. Amos, he's the strong arms that carry. Obadiah, he's the Lord and Savior. Jonah, he saves and rescues. Micah, he's the promise of peace. And Nahum, he's the strength and the shield. Habakkuk and Zephaniah, his revival. Haggai, he restores. Zechariah, he's the fountain. Malachi, he's the song of righteousness. And that's just the Old Testament. 400 years. 400 years go on. And Jesus is still there, even though 400 silent years, God didn't speak, God didn't use a prophet, God never gave a page of scripture. For those 400 years, the Israelites had to wait and wait and wait. And then Jesus is birthed on the scene. Now we have the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, he is now revealed as Messiah. Acts, 
fire from heaven. Romans, he is God's grace. Corinthians, he's the power of love. Galatians, he's treasure. Ephesians, he's freedom. Philippians, he's servant. Colossians, he is three in one. Thessalonians, he's the king. Timothy, Titus, and Philemon, he is the mediator, man. Hebrews, he's everlasting God. James, he's the healer. First and second Peter, he's the faithful shepherd. First, second, third John and June, he's the husband looking for his bride. And Revelation, he is and always will be the first, the last, the beginning, and the end. Jesus Christ wins. We are with him. We are with him. And it's all because of one word, one concept that's so big, and that word is grace. This woman walked into the synagogue and wasn't expecting, didn't even ask, but God's grace came over her, and she was healed. Can you imagine? After 18 years, has anyone here ever had a migraine for more than a day? You have to shut the blinds, turn the lights off, turn the AC. You just want to shut down for days, right? You don't even want to get out. Can you imagine Jesus coming in that moment and healing you? What would you do? Well, gosh, I guess that was kind of eventful, wasn't it? You'd be like, oh my gosh, you're not going to believe what God did for me. That was this woman right here. I guess what I'm saying is Jesus' response to the people who were hypocritical, not to the people that were just trying life and couldn't figure it out his grace and mercy and love went out to them but to the hypocrites who thought they were better than everybody else his response is so golden it's so logical it makes so much sense you guys take a donkey out you guys water the donkey yet this woman is healed and you can't praise god wake up wake up to the things that god is doing now verse 17 this shamed his what enemies but all the people watch this all the people we don't know exactly how many rejoiced at the wonderful things that he did it's obvious it's the gospel man it's the good news listen if the good news isn't great news for you i want to encourage you to get on your knees if you were here last week there was just this holy spirit moment you remember that we just felt like we needed to shut it down and just come and just kneel before him and just get right with god pleading god for a revival god visit us if we don't have your spirit we're coming to prayer night tuesday night if we don't pray and ask god for your power the church is just just another community center it's just another place where we gather to see friends we need your power we need the holy spirit in every single one of us that should be the cry of our heart i don't know about you but i don't want to waste any of your time we don't want to waste god's time i don't want you just to come here well because we have to do it we've always done it i was raised that way i was raised as a christian we should go to church man i want you to want to be here i want you to be so hungry for god i want you to be sitting on the spiritual edge of your seat not that this is the end all but now i want to get into life group i want to get into a community i want to get into a service uh, project with someone i i want to share the good news of jesus christ with the loved ones i want to share i want to share with my enemies the good news and how god you are awesome we can't do that without the power of the holy spirit and i believe that the holy spirit was right here in this moment drawing this woman in and she didn't even know what she was walking into so what do we do as a result of all this i just want you to know i just man i just want you to know from the depths of our heart and most of all from the word of god that he number one some action points are he does care about you and your circumstances he does you may be here today thinking god you don't care about me i've been asking and asking and god nothing changes He does, just as he saw the woman in the synagogue. He sees you. 
He does. And because he sees you, he knows. He knows the cry of your heart. He knows that you're walking through some stuff. He knows that you've walked out of some stuff. He knows that you might be walking into some stuff. And it's okay. Because he's already been there. Isn't it comforting to know that God has already been to tomorrow? So why do I worry? Why am I all stressed out about something that happened today when God already been there tomorrow and worried about something that's going to happen tomorrow? When God calls, I want you to respond. Don't wait. Well, I'm thinking about it. Well, I'm in decision. Choose. That's what this is about, this whole series. Choose sides. Choose now. What do you got to live for? The world can't offer anything of substance. It doesn't offer anything of, of, of long-lasting spiritual reality. Only Jesus Christ can give you freedom and deliverance right now. If he's calling you, you just come. Just give your life to him. Those who call on the name of the Lord will be saved, man. That's all I needed to hear, man, when I was 18 years old. I was so stuck. I was so empty. Thank God my sister didn't say, well, I'm saved. Too bad for you. She invited me. She was praying for me. I didn't even know until after I got saved. She was praying for me every night to come to God. It's amazing. I don't know. What do I know? <laughs> if there is something in your life that's holding you back, and I just, I just want to encourage you to let it go. Just let it go. It's okay. I don't know about you folks, but I sometimes have a time, hard time of letting things go. Does anybody struggle with that? I think what I do is I give it to you, God, but then I take it back because I can handle this. And I didn't hear from you when I gave it to you, so I need to take it back and I need to fix it myself. It could be a financial issue, it could be a relational issue, it could be something in your marriage, something with your kids, maybe it's just preparing for marriage or school or new job or somebody that you're interacting with and there's just some friction, some tension, and God, I can just handle this myself. That's, that's what I love about communion so much here at the end of every Sunday's message at MVCC because communion is something that Jesus said, come, I invite you in to have this meal with me. You know, back in the day when someone of faith would say, come to my house, we're going to eat. It wasn't about the meal. It was they were inviting you into their heart, your family with us. And that's what Jesus says to us here. If any of this here this morning has resonated, if you felt like, gosh, you know, I've just kind of been religious and I just kind of do the routine, but man, I need to meet Jesus now. We can help you with that. And maybe for some of us, we've had this, wagging finger at everybody else and we get real judgmental and we think we know it all and we think we're all that in a bag of chips and we think well the world is dying but at least I'm saved and that kind of the arrogant attitude just repent of it it's okay just get rid of that God bless me with humility and trust with you God there may be some things that were mentioned here about just struggling give it to God just give it to him you know, this, this weekend, I'm told that this is um, Gold Star Weekend for those military families that lost, lost their children, the Gold Star mothers. I think it's really important that we remember those who sacrificed, those who gave. Would you agree? But even more importantly, we remember Jesus who laid down his life. And that's what communion is here. In the seat back in front of you, there's some small elements. 
And I'd just like to give you just some quiet, unhurried moments here to think about all that God has done for you. Where in your life has he come and say, I want you to straighten up. And then he touched you and he healed you. So God, I just thank you for the reminder this morning that you are the God who can free us, <laughs> deliver us, God. Change us from within. We couldn't change ourselves, God. I'm so grateful that you do it. And right now, we just center down, God, into this moment of remembering without your love, your sacrifice, the cross, we'd be lost. Thank you for grace. Thank you, God, for your mercy and love. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for joining us at Mission Vale Christian Church. Just know that we always have live services here every Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. We'd love to have you here, and we'll see you next time.